Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. All right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with it this week because we've got a win to talk about, boys. Texas gets the W over Baylor 38-7. to We'll talk about that win. And look ahead to another game against a top-10 opponent. Another top-10 opponent coming off of a loss to Iowa State. It's weird how that works out. But we'll do <laughs> that more theme. on this latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe. I'm going to go ahead and bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. No longer the man behind the glass, but the man who still has the magic touch and makes this show sound audible for everybody out there. Mm-hmm, I like that. Matt Butler. What's audible. Up, I like it. <laughs> I am audible. Yeah. That's uh. me. <laughs> dynamite drop-in there, Matt. Yes. Uh, <laughs> a man who knows about dynamite drop-ins, uh, knows about a lot of stuff because he is the renaissance man here on Longhorn Bliss, the third member of our team, our lockdown corner. Here on the show, Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, and to 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. If he had his T-ring, he would wear it proudly, but nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and we will get him a card one of these days. <laughs> number 21 in your program, but number one in your hearts. A very dapper-looking Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. Yeah, I got to do some TV work today. You know I don't just dress like this. I, Rod, Rod with the button down yeah. and the khakis, I'm like, either you've got some kind of interview or somebody died, one or the other. All right, you got to go to court. Uh, I've heard all of them today. <laughs> it's the same thing because you never see me dressed up. But, yeah, got to do some TV work. That's all. Talk some Longhorn football, of course. Whenever I saw Rod walk in, it was bizarre world because normally Craig Way had always, in the previous like <laughs> life, right. we knew this world was always in a suit, and then Rod had just came in from like say the green belt or something, and then <laughs> instead now it's Craig Way in like a sweatsuit, like a sixties yeah. like, like it old was school old Longhorn school sweatsuit, Longhorn yeah. sweatsuit, yeah, and then it's you in basically a suit. You, yeah. you, you were dressed up. You realize sure. wearing that, that sweatsuit. World. Wearing that sweatsuit. Craig is like an oversized cell phone and a gold chain away from being like a mob boss. Yes. Oh yeah, he easily. Was a Don can, Vito. Yeah, no doubt. Because you know, yeah, Craig. Uh, he's got Italian. Uh, isn't he Italian? Is, I believe he's I believe like so. Italian yes, descent. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He is good Italian. So Craig, we can uh, pass for a mafioso if he needed to. Well, uh, gentlemen, one thing that passed muster was definitely Texas over the weekend, and we all picked a close game against Baylor because. Really what it boils down to, I don't know if you guys, I think we, we were all kind of on the same page. We basically had no faith in the Texas offense. None whatsoever. And why would we? I was going to say, there was no reason for us to go out there with uh, false, uh, right. you know, kind of false expectations for this offense. No. And Saturday. Especially without Sam Ellinger. Right. And Saturday in Waco was a struggle. They were awful in the red zone. They had some turnovers. They had got the ball on the plus 16 and failed to get points on one drive. Um, but. Eventually, credit this team. They did eventually get it together. 
The offense scores 31 points. It's a 38-7 win. And ran the ball somewhat effectively. Ron, I guess, good. I guess since we're talking about offense, let's go ahead and start talking about the Texas offense on this deal. And it's unfortunate because it looks like Texas finally found something at running back Antonio Carter. We saw them. It's amazing how much better your zone running game is when you've got a back that has some vision and knows when to be patient and understands when to press the hole, yep. when to really make that cut and go. And they did run some they did run some kind of split zone stuff, but some traditional just straight up inside zone yeah. as well. And they had some success with it. So guys breaking tackles. Yeah. Break, so, I saw guys breaking tackles. It, it was actually been a back. while since I've seen yeah. a running back breaking tackles. Tony like Carter that. and Danny Young both did, but now Tony Carter's in concussion protocol. We don't know what his status is it's unfortunate, for the man. TCU game. But uh you know, Rod, it was really a, a workman like effort. It's a great way, way of describing it. That's a great description. Um, yeah, blue collar. The yeoman's effort. Yes, because it, it, I agree. It wasn't necessarily that efficient. Um, there's a ton that we could cri- be, be critical of offensively, but they did seem to just put their head to you know nose to the grindstone. And they just kind of worked things out. Um, and it started with the running game. Even Shane Bouchelle, uh, he was very efficient. You know, they didn't have really big explosive plays in the passing game. But Shane Bouchelle, if he's anything, he's very efficient with the football. I think that's what Tom Herman likes about him. Yeah, he had the one turnover, but very efficient with the football. So, yeah, I mean, now we're at the point I saw the depth chart, the most recent depth chart, and we had, I think there are three different oars by the running backs. So, basically, you're looking at four different guys who could potentially be considered the starter. I've never, ever in my life seen that before on Mm -hmm. a Depth chart, nah. maybe, maybe in the preseason, maybe, but not, I'll, not, I'll in, think I've not never, going into, <laughs> not going into game nine. Yeah, and especially <laughs> where it's where uh, sort of out of like the attrition at the top, and then a few guys emerging a little bit, but like mm-hmm. not the depth of like say oh five. Whenever you had Selvin Jamal with a guy like Melton and Obanaya, but those all the four guys that all play because of the yeah. situation. Not like this situation where a few young guys are emerging to challenge some guys from the top, but if you look at snap counts and how they've evolved really looks like the young guys are taking over the backfield as as we go I think on. they'll be better because you can and I'm excited to see those guys in the screen game we didn't see a ton of it versus Baylor but I would assume that Daniel Young to Neil Carter mm-hmm. when he comes back those guys will be way more effective in a screen game talk, talk about that first step that that quick burst first step yep. something that Kyle Porter I think lacks in his skill set and something Chris Warren I don't know has ever really shown a quick first step these guys have that burst I think that's what Tom Herman likes in his office go back and look at his running backs at U of H uh, you know, all those guys had burst, you know what I mean? And they were more, they call them airbacks now. They're essentially air raid backs. They're spread running backs. The NFL's got a ton of them now. Like Duke um, Johnson's a slot receiver. Yeah, like, like Chris a, Thompson for yeah, the Washington Redskins. racial slurs. There is uh, I mean, Tariq Cohen Lewis. is another one for the Bears. Alvin Kamara for the yeah, Saints. Yeah, everybody's got these air, they call them airbacks, but they're just air raid. They're just spread backs that can kind of go out and be a receiver if they need to. Christian McCaffrey, I guess, is the mm. kind of the, the the premier model of it. But a lot of guys are being more successful at him in the end. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I think I think Tom Herman likes those guys, and Tanil Carter and Daniel Young fit that. Matt, you're, t- you're talking about snap distribution at running back, and I'm using a Pro Football Focus, which, by the way, 24-7 Sports and Pro Football Focus, we have a partnership now, so you'll see. Um, I figured that because you guys have been citing a lot of Pro see, Football Focus you'll see more, stuff. More P- and exclusive stuff, too, like yes. stuff that I can't. I go to the website, and I don't get it on the website. Now, I've, got, with you I've got player grades. I've got snap yeah. distribution. I've got all of That's it. That's awesome. I love Pro um, Football Focus. Yeah, they do a great job. So yeah. your snap distribution at the running back position against Baylor, uh, Tony O'Carter led the way with 29. 
Then you've got Danny Young with 27, and this is includes special teams and everything. Um, Tony O'Carter with 29, Danny Young with 27, Chris Warren with 26. And I think the only snap Kyle Porter had in this game, unless he was there at the very end, um, I haven't gone back and rewatched the game yet, unless he was there at the very end, uh, one snap for Kyle Porter against Baylor. And total yeah. plays, what were the total plays on there that they have down? Uh, I just see total snaps. Cool, cool, total snaps. Yeah. Gotcha. So, really, you're seeing the two true freshmen play more. And, Rod, at this point, when you look at Chris Warren, two carries for three yards, and you just look at his production over the last few weeks, have we seen the last of Chris Warren as a feature back? I I, 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 um, I, I tend to think he's we a have. Niche. Well, I, he hasn't been a feature back all this year, I, I, only out of necessity, I think, or something versus San Jose State. But, you know, I, I think Tom Herman, for some reason, hasn't, or even his staff, they haven't really been big fans of Chris Warren's skill set. And I'm not talking about the young man. I'm talking about his skill set in their offense. And he hasn't really proven. And even and I'll and I, and I, trust me, I was one of the biggest, you know, Chris Warren fans, and I was on the bandwagon, play him more, force feed him the football, um, and he'll get better. He'll, he'll be better in the fourth quarter than he is in the first quarter. That has not really been the case. I will admit that Chris Warren has not really lived up to, you know, the, the praise and the hype when he's gotten the football. He has not really shown the ability to break away and be a game-changing back. So, you know, I tend to agree with Tom Herman that no running back has really taken over this job or taken hold of it. So why not put some new blood in that backfield, which is what right. they did versus Baylor? And you were on the Daniel Young bandwagon a long time ago. I think most people yeah, have been on the— you like that 31-yard touchdown yeah, run? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think most people have been on the Tennille Carter bandwagon for a while. So give it to the two, fresh, the, the two freshmen and let them have it. Let I agree. The, let, let the young cats take it. Matt, I know yeah. you got some numbers you want to get to. Rod, I just want to throw this out there for you. Tennille Carter had 70 yards against Baylor, uh, 4.7 a carry, which is Solid, yeah. Um, that's the most by a Texas back in any game since Chris Warren and Kyle Porter against San Jose State. In that yeah. game, Warren had 166, Porter had 72. In the last six games combined, and keep in mind, Kyle Porter had a DNP against Oklahoma State. Porter and Warren combined over a six game stretch combined for 181 yards, 2.3 a carry. Yeah, and let's not forget there's a common denominator there, and it's really bad rush defenses you're playing up against. San Jose State was terrible, and uh, Baylor is also one of the worst in the country. And I think Texas has only averaged over four yards a carry three times this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was against Baylor, one was against San Jose State, and ironically one was against K-State where they ran the ball uh, pretty effectively. So this this Texas, what I've noticed about the Texas offense and what I even liked about the Baylor game, you can be committed to something without necessarily being good at it. Like, that's me and my relationships in mm. the past. You can be committed to something without being good at it. Fake it till you make it. And that's essentially what Texas is going to have to do with the running game. Just kind of fake it till they make it. They know they're not gonna be, it's not going to be a game changer, but they can still right. have the, uh, the appearance of balance and then, then have the, you know, the, the, the screen game and the play-action game off of that and the short, high-percentage passing game. They can build on that. I, you know, I think they've, they've done a lot more funk, which I like, like pre-snap motions yeah. and shifts. They're, they're doing some things, little things. I saw the trick plays versus Baylor. They broke, and I, this, I got a problem with the trick plays real quick about the mm-hmm. personnel they're using for the trick plays. Okay, so why have Lil' Jordan Humphrey as the wide receiver that's throwing the wide receiver pass? instead of the two quarterbacks who you have as wide receivers. They're two former quarterbacks, Lorenzo Joe and Gerard oh. Hurd. I don't why I don't oh, I, That might be outsmarting the their own yeah. selves being like, no, we need to have the guy that, and yeah, I know that makes Jordan, no sense. I know Lil Jordan Humphrey played it too. He played everything, but man, it seemed like what 
well, why let him do it? Why not let one other? And, and I don't think another team would suspect it as much because Lorenzo Joe and Gerard Hurd play wide receiver as much as they would, Lojo's you know, play a lefty, quarterback. So that maybe that's why, but Could the have been direction of the play, but still doesn't define um, why it wasn't Gerard Hurd. Okay, uh, and then my second thing, the the Chris Warren halfback pass. Um, and I know they might have been suspecting if it was Colin Johnson, but it, football's a game of inches, and they literally they missed that probably by half a foot that touchdown. And I got I think if you give it to a a larger receiver, one of the bigger receivers, instead of Lojo, and I like Lojo, I think that's a touchdown. Yeah, probably more catch radius. Exactly, catch radius is huge. That's why I Colin. Mean, that's why Colin Johnson in the red zone is such. It's it's such. He's such a big target. It, it makes so much sense. So hold on, those are my two random criticisms of the personnel decisions. No, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I do I do like the fact that we are seeing some more pre snap stuff, some more motion. Uh, variations of the route tree, ride different route combinations. Yeah, I've seen this. Yes, I agree um, with that. So, like you said, not anything that's going to set the world on fire because this offense isn't, but enough to where you could say, "All right, they they put some thought into this this week and and got got a few wrinkles." So, I agree with that. It's uh, it's encouraging. You can't like you know say, "Oh, yeah, they got to figure it out," because that's not the case. Mm-hmm. But it's encouraging to see. Hey, actually had a. Some good stuff going on there. Maybe mm-hmm. some stuff you can you can build on. It was a solid Go game plan. I will say it was against Baylor because it's easier to put a solid game plan together against Baylor Very than true. it is against other teams. But it was a solid game plan. It will be a much bigger task facing the, I think it's number three rush defense in the yeah. country and TCU coming up. It, Matt's chomping at the bit, Matt, and I'll, I'll let you get yours here in a sec. But um, to the point about the run game, Ron, like you said, you're just going to have to – be just present the fact that you do have a run game that you're not just a, a five wide air raid team. You you do have a threat of being able to run the football. Yeah. Um. I do like the fact though that they were able to run the football later. I was disappointed in the fact that they weren't able to run it early because Baylor's been awful against the run Terrible. all year. Yeah. But I'll give them credit for the fact that they stuck with it enough to where later in the game, once Baylor, because we know Baylor has zero depth in the trenches mm-hmm. and in the box because of injuries and attrition and everything else. But then once Baylor got worn down, that's yep. when you saw Texas able to move the ball. And they stuck with it, the yep. commitment to it. Yeah, and talking about, you know, Baylor, we expected with a bad rush defense to see Texas come in and run the ball well. But when you And you don't want to take away from what they did because you should get credit for those three big runs that you have. But when you look at those three runs that equal up to 87 yards, means your other 32 runs went for 84 yards against Baylor. Which, you know, if you look at it that way, on a per-snap basis, how many snaps are you beating your opponent? Probably not many, but this was a situation where you actually got the explosion and they turned into points, and that's what we've been asking of this offense all year. So at least when given the opportunity, they took advantage of it. It's just worrisome that they didn't get that opportunity much. And we talked about or heard Herman talk about on Monday the – uh, it would be called highlight yards, but the yards that come after the offensive line earns those yeah. yards, and those mm-hmm. are the type of things that you'd like to see Texas maybe improving upon. And now when you face TCU this week, going from a horrid rush defense to a great rush defense, it really is going to make it tough to run the ball. And then when you look at the snap count, though, a thing that was interesting when I looked at it, you look at total plays, 83 or 71 plays for Texas, but when you add up the snap counts, 83 there. So now we're seeing two back sets with athletic guys that can be playmakers side by side. Yeah. Something we haven't seen at Texas. Right. I didn't, you know, I can't even remember the last time we had a lot of times where people were saying, no, we need.
continue to get two athletic backs in the backfield and just use them another reason for funk and things yeah. position versatility. Agreed. So now I haven't looked at who was together and for how many because if you go empty set, that means even more than the 12 or 13 plays where you had overlapping backs. So that's an evolution of seeing something new in the offense that we haven't seen. So that might be the emergence of those young guys. I like that. Let's talk about quarterbacks, guys. And Shane Bouchelle starts this game. You know, I, maybe I didn't give him enough credit initially because my initial thoughts on Shane Bouchelle were kind of like the offense overall, Rod. I didn't think he was spectacular, but I think he was terrible. Yeah. I thought he was just efficient mm-hmm. when he needed to be. Good fit the, for the conference. The thing, no, the right. thing that frustrates me, and it's not Shane Bouchelle's fault, the thing that frustrates me when he's in, and we've talked about this, with Tom Herman's offense, you have to adjust it a lot more to what you're doing with Shane Bouchelle as your quarterback than you do with Sam Ellinger. Agreed. And Sam Ellinger's still not an ideal fit. He's not JT Barrett. He's not Greg Ward. But you can do more quarterback run stuff and more of your mm-hmm. traditional stuff with Sam Ellinger as your quarterback. With Shane Bouchelle, you you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but you got to get pretty close. And it's got to be more quick passing game. Let him get the ball out fast. Get in your playmaker's hands, which with the talent you have at receiver, you figure that'd be something you want to do. Yeah. And what frustrates me is there's so many times, Rod, where they neglect to do that and they turn it into a five-step and seven-step drop passing game. And with an offensive line that's got the issues this offensive line has, to me that's just banging your head against the wall trying to figure out, yeah. trying, to, trying to hope something works at some point. And that whole definition of insanity thing. Tom Herman likes that. Here. He likes that term, yeah. But on the 11 play 90 yard drive, they ran a lot of quick game. And it's three step drop, get it out, get in your playmaker's hands. And granted, some of that stuff was guys are able to get better releases because it's Baylor. It's Baylor secondary and you're route. But their spacing looked better. Like it's just the inconsistency with the passing game because one game, one, one game everything will look really good and the spacing looks good and guys mm-hmm. are able to get off covers. And then, like, go back and look at Oklahoma State. It's just like everything's just kind of a muddled mess, and they're not good on scramble drill, and their spacing is terrible, and they're not able to get off press consistently. It's just this position group, yes, the play calling needs to get better, but this position group has got to be more consistent than it has been for this offense to give you a chance to win games down the stretch, especially against a team like TCU. Yeah, I saw – I mean, yeah, I I saw some things that I was just – even I saw a lazy – that lazy fade by Colin Johnson, actually, um, kind of sticks out to me. Uh, And it wasn't necessarily a terrible throw, but he didn't threaten the inside leverage of the defensive back at all. Kind of leaned into the DB. There was a deep ball to Devin Duvernay where it looked like he gave up on the route. Yeah, there was just – yeah, just something. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but that's the perception. I agree. And so I agree with you about the wide receiver. They're really consistent considering – we all agree that's the deepest position on the team and the most talented position overall on the team. I think they have I think they gotta go with the kind of short high percentage passing game to get these guys the yak yard. Just get them in space. It worked versus K State. I think they had like a hundred and it was like hundred and fifty yards uh after the catch. I think, you know, we've seen it versus Baylor. It is Baylor. But I think that's where the wide receivers, even with Sam Ellinger in there as the quarterback or Shane Bouchelle, I think that is something consistently that you can have both quarterbacks or you can implement with either one of these quarterbacks. And we don't even know who's going to start that quarterback versus TCU. Right. Um, but either one of those quarterbacks with this wide receiving core, you get them the ball in space, they've shown they can work. They can all oh, like, like three or four of these guys can get you yak. Yep. Gerard Hurd can do it. Little Jordan Humphrey can do it. Um, Reggie, Hemphill, Reggie can Hemphill can do it. John Burt, forget about John Burt. He can do it. I mean, there are a lot of guys, you know, I wouldn't, I, Colin Johnson, I consider more of a possession wide receiver, so he's not getting the yak yards, but, he, but he's done it. 
So I think that's where they got to start looking, getting these guys open in space. I think the funk is a lot, a, a big part of that, and you know who you want to utilize in the slot. And when you start um, using, you know, the yak yards, because yeah. that's where you're going to get a lot of those mismatches inside and get the guys in space. Armonte Foreman is a guy that can get you yak yards, but exactly. Oh, he played. He played. He, he played. got the first. The first play from scrimmage was a pass to Armonte Foreman. Yeah, yeah. And but, I, he actually and he, he dropped one too. Uh, that I thought um, uh, because of his skill set was a tough catch, but Armonte Foreman can catch. To, that. to my to my brethren in the media, I don't know why every week. Keep asking Tom Herman about, about Monty Foreman. Foreman. You know the deal about him, Monty like, Foreman. What is or this? asking what is about the... a starting quarterback every week. Why are we going to beat that dead horse? Because I guess you got to ask the question. Well, but... Every week, though, it's so funny that Herman's like, well, uh, I'm not going to tell o- Oklahoma State. I'm not going to tell Oklahoma who I'm starting at quarterback. It's just well, funny that you ask knowing the answer. I guess to you got to ask. Me, to me, that's different because, you know. You, it's you, the quarterback yeah, position. it's the quarterback position. Yeah. You never know. Wide receiver. Because um, like you said, Rod, we know the deal with the Monty Foreman. It's why – we Why know are we going to go down that road? Exactly. So, But, Matt, you bring up uh, the next point I wanted to talk about, which is the quarterback decision for the TCU game. So Sam Ellinger's cleared. This is why it's different than in weeks past because one of the, either one of these guys hasn't been healthy or we knew at the beginning of the week, all right, it's Tom Herman can say what he wants, but it's it's going to be Shane or it's going to be Sam, whatever. Yeah. Now, Vegas, it's na- going to be Sam. Now we, According to Vegas, really? I think so, yeah. Now we legitimately have questions about – who should start, who will start, whatever. I'll give my opinion, then I'll let you guys riff off it. Okay. My opinion is this, and Chip Brown wrote a piece on this. It's up at horns247.com, and Chip and I were on the same wavelength because before he wrote the column, he kind of asked my opinion. He said, okay, I'm thinking the same thing. I think you start Shane Bouchelle because I think in this game you value experience. Maybe that high-percentage passing game, the screen game, could be an extension of your run game. Start Shane Bouchelle because if it goes bad, I like having a guy in Sam Ellinger with the dual threat ability to be able to give you a spark coming off the bench. Good. Yeah. I don't think it works as well the other way around. In other words, if you go, if you start Sam, it goes bad, and then maybe you have to go to Shane. I don't think the I don't. I, I, to me, it just doesn't. Something's a little off kilter there. Okay. So I would rather start Shane Bouchelle. because here's my thing with Shane Bouchelle, Rod. Like if you look at his three games that he started. The Iowa State game, he had some moments that were shaky, but he hasn't played bad no. this year. He hasn't yeah. been terrible. Agreed. So, right now, I, I would tend to go. And, and, you know, Sam's had turnovers here and there, but I don't think he's – there haven't been games where I've been like, oh, man, he was terrible. He was awful. It's horrendous. Mm-hmm. So, I start Shane Bouchelle, and if it goes bad, go with Sam. The problem in my scenario is this, and Rod being in the middle of the sims Applewhite thing, you know this all too well. When do you pull the trigger? When do you decide it's time to go to the other guy? Do you do it after the second series if you're not moving the ball? Do you just give him the third series? Do you wait? Maybe give him give Shane Bouchelle a quarter? Don't do what Matt Rule did. And just, yeah. Just just, rotate him. Yeah. <laughs> rotate him and get both of them hurt. Exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're talking about, you know, Sam has been cleared to play, and now if we're just viewing this as Herman, I mean, it seems pretty obvious that, according to the staff, and even with the production on the field that Sam has been the guy with the better top end and allows your offense to have more versatility so he's your best mm-hmm. quarterback so I think just in I mean it's simple nature but if he's your best quarterback and he practices well he's going to play so I think it may be that simple of a decision and when you look at Vegas I was thinking at first when there was no line then you didn't honestly know but then when I saw the line came in 
at six and a half or at seven, and it's definitely at six and a half now, less than a touchdown at TCU. It makes me think that Vegas thinks that the quarterback situation, at least healthy, they're both available going with their best one, which is probably Sam. But that's just interpreting the data because I don't see how if Sam isn't going to play or if it's Bouchelle and your one-dimensional offense going on the road against a tough defense that you would still be within a touchdown of a really good defense. Yeah, it's it's you know, I, I, I tend to agree with Matt because listen, I know Shane Shane I love Shane. I love Shane Bouchelle, but you should make a t shirt. You yes. know what I mean? Um but the truth is when but. Sam Ellinger is in there, that his ability to improvise and extend plays and his compatibility with that offense it gives you the opportunity to grind really good teams down to a nub, which is what they do when they play um, USC's and Oklahoma's and Oklahoma State's. And that's you know what I mean? Like you may the first place. Yeah, you kind of just grind. He he fits that mode. Now the thing is, he's already dealt with injuries, so right. him grinding teams down, his physical style of play is a part of that. Him improvising and extending the play and scrambling and being physical, setting that tone, his team feeding off of that. That's all a part of that. And that's all a part of that it quality that makes Sam Ellinger um, a guy that can that can keep Texas in a game with an Oklahoma or an Oklahoma State or USC. When Shane really can't do that, he's got a ceiling. And he hits his ceiling often in a game, sometimes even against an Iowa State mm-hmm. or even against, you know what I mean? Like there's not much more he can do within the confines of that offense with Sam Ellinger. He gets to a point where the, the the offense may hit a ceiling, but then Sam's ceiling is higher. He's like, yes. all right, you, uh, the passing game can't work. Okay, running backs, y'all averaging less than three yards a carry. All right, offensive line, y'all can't block a damn, y'all can't block a damn soul. Okay, and then all right, TCU then I can take the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. So that it, from that standpoint, I'm pretty sure that if Sam is healthy, then you go with Sam, and then you bring Shane in. Sh- you if you, you, know you put you if you there. if you do it the other way. It's and I agree with you everything you said. It's a great point about him bringing uh, Sam coming in and giving you that boost, uh, and Shane keeping you in the game. But there's a possibility that, and you said, when do you pull him? That you could get way too behind and then be scratching and clawing. And too then you early. made the wrong decision and, to open. And we know this team cannot play from behind very well. Even though they they've done it, it's just not ideal for them. They need to be in the game. Um, and I think with, with TCU, man, they you can get out of that game very quickly. But TCU likes to run the ball. They, they're at their best when they're running the football, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you guys on, on Sam Ellinger. And I honestly, I think at this point, I think if Tom Herman had his druthers, I think it's I think there's no question in his mind it's Sam Ellinger. Yeah. My concern, Rod, would be does the head injury with Sam Ellinger, yeah. how much does that change Tom Herman's thinking? It's got to change everything. That's what I'm saying. It's got to change everything. And that's why I think you've got to entertain the idea of maybe starting one and then going to the other yeah. or somehow playing both. Dude, Sam Ellinger was running the ball close to 20 times a game. Yep. That's more than Tim Tebow and Vince Young and like Cam Newton in their prime mm-hmm. in college running the football. He was running it. I mean, I know Tom Herman likes his guys to run, but you don't want to run that much. And right. it come to find out, it does. It 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 takes a toll on anybody. He's human. He's not. Yes. Some, he's not Thor for God's sakes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it takes he a toll acts on like anybody. A he, you know he's great. He, he, he runs like a centaur. Human. But I'm just saying, yeah. So he's it, it adds up. And I agree with you. Now you got to change. Like all right, now how much do I want? Him running, I right. got him. Tw- I want him to run twelve to fifteen times a game. I got to choose it because he's going to take it upon himself to run six or seven just on his own because of the offensive line and scrambling. That's, you know, that's me spitballing, trying to figure out who, who, what they could do. It's how much does the offense change now? Do you just go back to hey, 
Sam, if it's there, take off, and we've got all these quarterback runs in, or do we see them change something? But at the same time, the thing you've got to balance there too, guys, is do you risk the changing too much, and then you've got a quarterback in Sam Ellinger who now is completely out of his element, and you've almost hamstrung him, taking away one of the things he does really well, which is being able to. Now you don't play tame. You don't tame. You don't tame the quarterback. Well, like and that. Herman, I don't think you can. At this when point. asked no. about like the injuries, you, Herman just went out straight up and said, "Well, he's a football player. He's like, if Sam's going to play, it sounds as if he's content with Sam playing the way. Now well, he would prefer Sam to not knock heads with people constantly. Yeah, but I, I was surprised at how much Herman said he didn't want Ellinger to change. I think if he plays, he's going to play like this, at least for now. No, I it, it say, okay, I'll say this, and you're right, I heard Tom Herman say that. It's football, <laughs> I totally understand that. If Sam, I'm talking to you, Sam, I there ain't talking go. to Tom Herman. Sam, if you want to continue to play this game, all right, and play, exhaust your eligibility on the four acres, and you want to play in the NFL or have a shot, you need to take it upon yourself yes. to change your style of play. Or you won't make it through the, your entire career. Like the, you won't be able to play your entire career like you're supposed to. No way. I'm talking about. I'm talking about past, just college and everything. You got to start thinking about that. So I'm not saying I agree with you. I don't think. I don't think Tom Herman's like gonna, he's an 18. I don't think male. Tom Herman's going to change anything. But Sam Ellinger's he's more, he's athletic enough and he's got good enough football instincts. Mm-hmm. He's got to learn. All right, you know what? Well, the extra yard and a half, I'll just get down, or I'll just go out of bounds. That extra half a yard and yard there. My team having me healthy yes. means more than getting that extra yard or whatever I was going to get. This goes back. That's to the, maturity. This goes back yes. to the concussion conversation we had last week. I think you're at the point in the season, Rod, going into Game Nine, where I think it's unrealistic to expect him to change that. I think that's something you you work on maybe during bowl, bowl prep, maybe spring ball. You can't because practice. You never hit the quarterback. That's why I said this is a Sam Ellinger thing, dude. It's you can't work mind. on that. You can't no, work on that. What I'm saying it's is, I don't, I don't think, he, I don't think he can change in a matter of two weeks. Well, well I, I understand, but, but it's, it's not going to be with practice effort. or anything either. It's going to be with him. Literally, I right, Sam, you got to make a decision. No, I'm do you want to play I'm, like I'm not, Colin Klein? And, and and pretty, you know, well, what I mean, I'm not saying to hit the quarterback in practice. I'm saying this is something that you study film and you help him understand. Look, go back and break down every run and say, okay, right here, instead of dick dick dipping your shoulder and trying to run the safety over, go ahead and slide and save your body. I think yeah. they can do that. Yeah. And the difference between 12 and 14 no, yards. I agree. Right? I, I'm I, also I, saying on top of that, that I even think that's, inside a play, it's a person's mentality. But that's walking the line. You're talking about taming the wild horse, which you don't want to do. What you want to just put in his head is, don't take contact. Quit getting hit. Yes. You're a football it. player, for God's sakes, man. Avoid the hit. Watch Aaron Rodgers. You see this guy coming at you. Quit trying to take him on. And everybody, quit clapping you on. It's part, and this is partly Tom Herman. Tom Herman. You got to quit praising it. Quit praising it, dude. It's not good. All right? You need to tell him to be more judicious about the hits he's taking. Just be a football player. Avoid the 250-pound linebacker that's be running right at you. One. Don't try to take him on. It's ain't Westlake. And we're not going to get up and clap for you after that. You're going to end up getting yourself hurt over time. So my thing is, I know you're talking about the film, but I think that will get him thinking too much. Like, okay, you know, just say, dude, don't get hit. I don't want you taking hits. If you're going to take a hit, get the get the hell down or get out of bounds. It's just that simple. How, how, we ain't got to make it complicated. Is that <laughs> get the how, hell out of bounds and get down. How is that not taming the beast, though, Rod? Because... I want the yardage. I don't give a damn about you tackling the deep yak, in the backs like at K-State. Everybody's like, yeah, that was unbelievable. No, it, I was like, no, it's not. I don't want to see my quarterback doing that. You can get it and then slide. I mean, and why, why do I want you running over a DB? Right. Why do, what do I get? What, three, what do I get out of that? 
Like, I didn't even I didn't see get nothing out of that. Lower that's your coach. You could have went no down benefit. and slid and get in the fetal position at the end. I got the same yardage. Mm-hmm. I don't give a damn about that. If you don't think that ends up um, adding to other head injuries later right. on, you're crazy because we know now it's a it's a it's a compounding effect. Yeah, and being so quit taking the head injuries is his own worst enemy. <laughs> exactly. Basically, like, I mean, it's just running quit testosterone. Hit so cleanly. Like I said about Vy smart, one of the smartest runners I've ever seen. Guys, huge six five, huge target. Rather did you see him get hit clean. Yep. Why? Because right. B-Wild smart as no. I'm like, why would I want to get hit? Who am I doing a favor by getting hit? Only person I can see him play like that is Tim Tebow because he was blessed by the Lord above. Well, and then think about Protected the by Jesus Christ himself. Sam Elliott, I love you, but it don't seem like God is protecting you like he's protecting Tim Tebow. And so quit trying to run like him. When you think about Ellinger and his development yeah. as a player, his whole life he had been striving to become the Texas quarterback. So, therefore, you could see somebody exerting energy just to be able to achieve something playing that hard. Now, though, when you see that you can be the quarterback at Texas for four years is when it's going to be identity shift in his mind to understand, no, my value to my team now is different than what – his goals before at Westlake was just getting a scholarship at Texas. He wanted to be that physical guy. He wanted to make plays, but now it's a tough part because it's an identity crisis, I would say, within his own mind about what exactly. he has always been as a quarterback to what maybe he will have to be to be able to guarantee that he'll have a future at quarterback. Leaders, so that's part it, of leadership. And, and being and now that you're at Texas, and you're 18, and you're asking an uh, 18-year-old male to lower his testosterone and craziness, like that's the worst time to have – this type of player have to change that mindset because that mindset had only given him success to now, and it still can continue to. It's just knowing that if you continue to play like that, you may not sustain that. Rod, I feel like we're like feel like you and I are saying the same thing. Oh, and we are. Which we're all is just different talking conclusions. about different. Yeah. I, I guess my my question at the end of the day is, or not my question, my my point of view is. I think it's unrealistic to expect that to change against TCU. I don't think oh, it yeah. does. Oh, I agree. I think, yeah, I agree. I think totally. you're, you're stuck with Sam Ellinger this year being what he is. And we look, we talked about this at the case. They got Rod, you were one of the few people in the market who brought it up, maybe the only one who brought it up. Sam Ellinger playing like that, it wasn't built to last. You were gonna need Shane Bouchel at some point no to finish question. the game for you because yeah. this it's not a it's not a sound plan. So I don't know. Maybe you have to play two quarterbacks just to minimize the number of hits Sam Ellinger is going to take, knowing he's going to take be. hits and think, hey, maybe if if we have – Matt, what's your average number of offensive drives a game? What, 12, 12 possessions? Yeah, big 12. Okay. Yeah. If, instead of being on the field 12 possessions – Treat him like a running back. Right. Then. Maybe if he's yeah. on the field for seven. <laughs> yeah. That's or, a good point. Or, or, or eight. Yeah. Maybe that's, you know, five or six fewer hits he takes. You treat him, yeah, treat him like a running back. Like, literally just take him off for a series or two. Yeah. Just, yeah. I, you know what? At this point – I don't necessarily disagree with it. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I wouldn't, as long as you have the rotation, you have the ideas and the concepts for how you want to rotate the guys, I'm not totally against it. That's how he wants to. I, my thing was, and I agree with you, you're not going to fix that thing, fix that overnight. I think Sam Ellinger is a good enough athlete, has good enough football instincts where he can avoid those types of collisions. Some of, of them are unavoidable, of course. You know what I mean? Like the one, honestly, the one in Oklahoma, I don't know if that was that avoidable. He's running and the guy pulls him and he ends up right. hitting his head on the on the pavement, but I think a lot of the hits he can't avoid. Remember the K-State one, he runs over the guy. It's like, to me, that's him. That's his thrill. Now, he likes doing that. That's yeah. the really he, how he grew up playing. Yeah. He wants to play like that. I think that part of the sacrifice and commitment, it, it will be like, as Matt pointed out, all right, now, Sam, I know you like doing that. Um, I need you to be more judicious about it. I need you, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I need you to watch the amount of hits that you're taking in the contact. 
mm-hmm. that you're taking. You know what I mean? Like I need you to. And he can do. He can do that. that uh, trust me. That's what football players do. They do it all the time. It's, it's adjust, adjusting to the game. Do it all the time. I think he can do it too. But I agree. Not going to be done overnight. That's right. something you got to you know kind of um, drill into his psyche it's gonna be as a, a football player. I understand that, but I want him to start doing it now. So let's start. Let's stop praising him mm-hmm. running over linebackers and stuff like that. Let's just. If he does it, all right. But don't That's don't. Like it's like you know, when your when your dog done something like bad. Don't don't praise him like this. All right, I don't no. Uh, nope. You either punish him like so. If it, I don't want to take it out of him because you're right. I don't want to you know kind of uh, you know take the wild stallion out of him because he is great. But I do want him to start doing having less and less contact because it, it it. I mean, he loves it. Like he he loves mm-hmm. it. He he, yeah. he thrives on it. Yeah. Maybe you should go down to the 40 and up with that, Rod, because you've done a great job with your dog, I might add. We're talking about, we're talking about oh. training dogs. <laughs> yeah, my dog is very well trained. She is. She's a good, she's a really good Rod's dog. Rod's dog is the most chill dog I've ever seen. She is. She is, uh, yeah, she yes. is. She's like, she's a comfort dog, basically. Awesome dog. Yeah, yeah she's not. Awesome. She's there for companionship. She much. really is. She, she's not a good guard dog. She's a lover, <laughs> not a fighter. No, one true. of our labs is like that. She's a, she's a pacifist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, we have the we have one lab who's the guard dog and then the cat's just kind of the a hole of the house. He just oh kinda, yeah, well yes, yeah, the wild card. The, that's a yeah. cat. You gotta have the wild card of the group. That's the yeah. wild card. It's the cat. Um, it's, it's not a wild card to Texas defense. It is their calling card right now, and defense is carrying this team. You know, Tom Tom Herman said Monday. Now we talk about quotes and press conferences and take them for what they're worth. But Tom Herman said they're carrying us right now. Clearly, we can all yeah. We, that's we all pretty agree. obvious. That's pretty obvious. Um. um Brad, they get back to getting non-offensive touchdowns. Deshaun Elliott with the pick six. Uh, they hold Baylor to – let me pull up my stats here if the internet will cooperate. Man, Deshaun Elliott, pick six. I think Baylor had something like 3.3 yards per play. Yeah, 3.3 per play. Uh, Baylor rushing yards are for 31 yards. 33 carries and 31 mm-hmm. yards. So that's like, what, .84 yards a carry. Total and um, um, yeah, he, he takes away – that's the first thing he does is take away the run. And, and – been consistent going, with that. Going back to the Monday press conference, Tom Hearn, Tom Hearn was asked, you know, what what makes Todd Orlando's defense so good? What makes you know what makes him good as a coordinator? It's the same stuff we've been talking about on this podcast for five mm-hmm. weeks now. Yeah, he does. It, make him make him beat you left handed. Whatever their strength is, take away their strength. Yep, he did. You're not going to beat me by doing that. I agree. And he did it with Oklahoma State by taking away the vertical passing game. And with Baylor, I mean Baylor, I don't think they against, really have a strength. USC, they took away the inside run game. <laughs> took away the inside run game. No, I, I, I think that, and, and it, it helps that you know right now, and I'll, I'll give Todd Orlando credit for it, and that defensive coaching staff credit for it. Man, I just see so many Longhorn players having the best season I've ever seen them have, and I know man, that coincides with how well the defense is playing. But I, you know, Deshaun Elliott right now has got six picks. I want to say he's, um, he's got, he's got. Two picks so until he breaks uh, Earl Thomas's record or ties eight. Earl Thomas' record. Eight. Um, at eight. Single season. Um, but I'm telling you, he's got a realistic shot to win the Thorpe. People keep – I kept saying people like, oh, he's not going to win the Thorpe because Minka Fitzpatrick is going to win. I was like, okay. But, man, if he keeps getting picks and pick sixes and yeah. making plays like this, he makes so many big splash plays yeah. on defense. Well, and just opening that game with that play and then, I mean, just the I mean, way he looks too. I mean, just physically, the dude just looks, he looks amazing the out he there. Does. I he mean, looks the part. returning that pick six, he, he actually showed speed that I didn't think he had. He seemed like a guy that was power. But his top end, he's as fast Doesn't as anybody on the field. I saw uh, Matt Miller from Bleacher Report have a mock draft, and he had three Longhorns in the first round. I think he had Malik, Connor Williams, and Houghton Hill. Didn't have Holden Deshaun Elliott. Uh, yeah, Hol- 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 
scouts love Holt the Hill, lankiness. Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt Miller says it reminds him of a Seahawks well, and nowadays, corner. Nowadays, safeties you don't get drafted as high. Those corners, but, right? Exactly. Like that, uh, but I think Deshaun Elliott, and I, I think he, if you know, I don't know if he's gonna get a first round grade or a mm-hmm. second round grade. Or second like, round safety is a first round DB. Yeah, I, I think, I think he might leave too. I really do. I think he, he probably should. When you get this many picks in a season, it's like Earl Thomas that year. It's like. And Earl Thomas, obviously, is now the best safety in the league. So, okay. yeah, it paid off for him. I don't know if you come back after you have a splash season like this. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, you know what I mean? The chances of you being able to top it are tough. Right. And I saw a great study, and if uh, Deshaun Elliott does drop to the second round, he'd be the perfect fit pick for a guy like uh, the Patriots. If you look, I forgot what school did it. Ivy League school recently did one just showing the – Payoffs for a first round to say, and how much value because the second round pick is oh, yeah, not cheaper. guaranteed money. Yeah, it's yet cheaper. most, I mean, if you're talking about players that are drafted there, because there are so many, yeah. miss, say, 10 picks that are missed in a first round, yeah. there's still, still 10 first guys round that talent. are for sure. Oh, and yeah. then, though, at that rate of non guaranteed contracts and being cheaper, yeah. it's insane to be able to get the value back. So that's why you see so many times the Patriots trading for those second round picks, which they did again. Yes. That trade Garoppolo for a second-round pick, yeah. Uh, Deshaun Elliott's pick six gives this Texas team six non-offensive touchdowns it's crazy, this man. year. Leads the nation. Uh, that's as many as Texas had in the entire Charlie Strong era. Yeah, I think he has more than 44 FBS teams. I yeah. mean, just Deshaun Elliott alone. I'll ask you a question. Deshaun and Holton Hill probably combined and outscored the, the whole most, nation. This is the most non-offensive touchdowns uh, Texas since has 2009. since 2009. Yeah, I remember because I remember that year. Earl I think Thomas, they had like nine that year or something. Eleven. 11, okay. 11, yeah. four interception returns, th- four punt returns, yeah. three kickoff returns. That was a ridiculous. And I want to say this is the best Texas defense probably since that 2009 defense. I don't know if it's better than 2008. 2008 actually had – actually, 2008 was better than 2009's defense, in my opinion. I don't know if it was statistically. Personnel-wise. But personnel was, I think, what it was. But this, this is the best Texas defense since that 2009 defense. I think it's better than that 2011 first-year Manny Diaz. It's better than 2014 first-year Vance Bafford. It is. Uh, speaking of 2011, Rod Texas is now with Holden Baylor to 31 yards. Texas has held four opponents to less than 100 yards rushing. That'd be Iowa State, Baylor, San Jose State, and USC. That's the most since the 2011 defense held six opponents yeah. to uh, 100 yards or fewer. You keep hearing those. The, they're like the records of this defense sets. It's always either the 2014 defense, 2011 defense, or 2009. Hmm. Um, so you could, it's one of the best defenses we've had in the four years. Probably in the last 20 years or so. I think it's as good as, uh, if not better than those last two, 14 and 11. Yeah, in context to modern college football and what these offenses do now to see that this defense can be performing this well, in context to the rest of college football in those years, it could be as impressive or more impressive. Great point. That's a good Well, I would say that 2008 year, remember? I mean, that, that is a pro, I don't know if the Big 12 has been better than it was oh, in 2008 no, as a conference. Kendall, Hunter, and think Bradley about all the great State quarterbacks and, you had. So I, at 2018, considering yeah. what that defense did, I, and Muschamp being that Big the 12 guy, South that year was yeah. just insane. Of so course. I'll give them uh, the upper hand there, but I agree with you. That's a great point about the spread offense. But Rod, you, what impressed me about this defense against Baylor was how well they handled the sudden changes, whether it's uh, the offense turning it over, or you give it to him on a short field. The offense doesn't score. He missed a field goal. Baylor's got some momentum. Been great at it all. They year. they zapped every bit of momentum Baylor could have had in that game. They really, when you look at Baylor's numbers, whatever Baylor got on offense, they finished with 249 total yards. 52 of that 
was on one play, which was a really good call on their part, which was kind of that option that they wrote out. Yeah. And that Charlie Brewer pulls Oh, I love that play. Yeah. Steal that play. I would be stealing plays left and right. Somebody beat me on a play. I'm like, hey, y'all get that play. I'm stealing that play. That's hey, you can see right. Charlie I'm Brewer using just, that play. That's a, that was a he's beautiful He's so wide open. Like, yeah. he just threw a bullet into there off his back just to get one there as fast as possible. Yeah. That's good. So, if you take out that play, then Baylor has fewer than 200 yards of total offense. So, you couldn't ask for more of a dominating performance from this defense than what you got on Saturday. And yeah. You know, you look at this defense, Rod, and, and you know it, it's no coincidence that the better Malik Jefferson is, the better this defense is. I know Tom yeah. Hermans talked about it, but we talked about it the last mm-hmm. few weeks. When this defense has been really good, he it's because he's had some uh, of his better games. Yep. He has uh, eight tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. I think he led uh, the team in tackles for loss and sacks. A ha- a one and a half sacks. And the play, I know Tom Herman mentioned a play where he was chasing and he had a sack and people, the play that stood out to me was Baylor's got a third and short early in that game and he meets the running back in the hole, sticks him, it's a tackle for loss and Baylor has to punt. That's the kind of stuff that tells me Malik Jefferson's game really is evolving because this new lightning package that Todd Orlando's going with. It, I love what they're doing, Rock, because they're dropping a lot of bodies in the coverage. Yep. They're playing with three down linemen and saying, look, if your offensive line can't block this three-man rush that we've got with Puna Ford, Malcolm Roach, and Brecken Hager, number one, we'll do this all day because you, can, you can't block it. Yeah. But if your quarterback wants to break contain, if he can beat Malik Jefferson and Gary Johnson to the perimeter, then congratulations, you just outran my you best athletes. It. Yeah, and I don't know if there's a quarterback in this conference that can do it. <laughs> Probably <laughs> you not. Know what I mean? Yeah, so I, I, I love that lightning package. That, that just, to me, it's a credit to Todd Orlando and how he's been able to utilize personnel. I remember us talking on the podcast, a lot of low fans saying he wanted to see more Gary Johnson, um, how Brecken Hager had all but disappeared before the lightning pack. The lightning package has resurrected Brecken Hager's, uh, you know, a, a there's productivity. there's kind of correlation there we can make with Brecken uh, Hager? I'm the sure there pack. is. If I was clever enough, I'm sure we could figure it out. I'm You're not. Right. So um, any listeners out there, <laughs> Blitz Nation, if you want to do that, go ahead and feel free. Yeah, but don't look at the productivity of Brecken Hager in this package. I got to go, go back and look, but I believe most of the quarterback pressures and the sacks from that Baylor game came from that lightning package. Um, um, so it it is. It's been really, and you'll, you're going to see more of it versus TCU, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. You're going to see more of that Lightning package, and you can only have that package uh, if you you know execute the first kind of step in the what we call what I call the modus operandi of Todd Orlando, which is to stop the run and make them one dimensional. If you don't do that, the Lightning package never comes out. You never get to see it. That's the key to the lightning package. This team's are always in third and long, so they just pin their ears back. That is the, one of the big keys too. Not 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 third and medium either. Not yeah. where they can you know where they're still balancing the playbook is open. No, I'm talking about third and long where you basically ha- you only got a quarter of your playbook open, if that. And that's what Todd Orlando does very well. He basically forces you to only use a uh, you know I say a quarter to a fifth of your playbook on third down because it's always third and long. Yeah, and you talked about how the, the way the run defense is able to allow this defense to really hit its potential on all three downs. And looking at some of the numbers this year compared to years past for players like Malik and his run stuff rate is out of this world. Because yeah. right now he has 16 run stuffs on the year, and Gary Johnson is second with eight. And you have uh, rest is 
couple defensive line guys. And then you look at offensive success rate, which is staying on schedule, which is what you basically were talking about. Yeah. There's now the a change. defensive success rate translated back to the player that makes the tackle. And if you look back at it, Malik is one of the top linebackers in the nation. He's at a 30% success rate that when he's making the tackle, they stay on schedule only 30% of the time, which is phenomenally great. So you see him added on with the ability for Johnson, like y'all were saying, being a niche guy that can come in if needed against running teams. But then look at a guy like Brecken Hager, who he has five tackles for loss and three sacks, but he also, with his ability, he has four stuffs on the run this year too. So it also shows that if you are, say, in a pass predictable round, you still see people in pass predictable downs run the ball and yeah. counters, traps, those things. Yeah. So that's a sign that shows discipline on a player like Hager that still has been able to stop the run despite him being in situations where he shouldn't have that many opportunities. That's to. a good point. Uh, Brecken Hager, just using some of the pro football focus data, 50 snaps against Baylor. Uh, 13 where he was in as a run defender, 35 where he was rushing the passer, yeah. and two in coverage. Uh, his overall grade of an 87.8, that's Real elite good. by PFF standards. Uh, that made him the number 11 overall defensive end in the country uh, for Week 9 in the FBS. His pass rush grade was also elite in 87.3, six total pressures based on what pro football focus charged. I mean, he, I think he's probably the most natural instinctual pass rusher Texas has. Yeah. Actually. You know what I mean? But in, just in terms of just that one uh, facet it's of his like, ability. turn him on um, and he does yeah. that. But I got to go back and look at the Baylor game, but I bet that he's using and compare it to the um, the, the game, Oklahoma State game, but I bet he's using Brecken Hager more now in mm-hmm. packages other than Lightning because of how well he performed in a Lightning package. Yeah, I mean, he gets that, stuck on the that field, li- too. That Lightning I mean? package has kind of become their base package almost. Yeah, they're using a lot of it. Well, it's in the Big 12. And third down. In yeah. the Big 12, it ma- just matches up really well. well. And you have more speed the, on the field. If the other team doesn't substitute and wants to try to take advantage of you having the NASCAR package out there, if they get that first down on third down, then Great you're point. stuck with them there. So yeah. those are sometimes the snaps that, you. I mean, unless you're going to call a timeout, you, that may not be an indicator that he's out there, but it's good that he has a good amount of run stuff's win out there. Because let's just throw some snap numbers out there, snap distribution. Go back to Oklahoma State. Uh, Brecken Hager with 44 snaps, Charles Amenahu with 43. And then you look at the linebackers, and uh, Anthony Wheeler with 26. Gary Johnson had uh, 69. Yeah. And then against Baylor. So the snap numbers against Baylor, Brecken Hager with fifty, Charles Amenahu who twenty eight. So mm-hmm. that gap is getting wider. Yeah, and then Gary and Johnson with sixty six snaps, Anthony Wheeler only with twelve. So you're playing more passing teams, exactly. so the package uh, matches up more. Um, yeah, I mean it's really interesting. I, I got to go back and look at how much uh, they're playing the Lightning package as opposed to their normal nickel personnel and just normal because I, I don't even know if I've seen them play 40 unless they match up with K-State. Right. I think or something like that. Other than that, nickel is usually the base, but now that lightning package may be leaning toward more toward the base. Yeah, and I think too with uh, – you might see more Gary Johnson because, you know, you, you're not going to have P.J. Locke against TCU. So yeah. that nickel coming out, uh, you're going to have to move Malik Jefferson around a little bit. I think we'll see more John Bonney. You're definitely going to see more Antoine Davis, but – uh, P.J. Locke, even though the production is there in terms of numbers, 
That's a pretty valuable piece in terms of what they're doing right now. It is. So you're going to have to compensate for that. I don't think it's just as simple as, and maybe it is, I don't know, just as simple as, okay, Antoine Davis is the backup nickel, boom, you're getting all those No, it now. can't be because TCU will attack yeah, that. You're going to have to manufacture some different things. You'll see yeah. more John Bonney. You'll probably see more Malik Jefferson doing stuff other than what he's done in these packages. Yeah. Uh, keep in mind when Texas does go to their traditional kind of 3-4 or 4-3 look, however they want to do it, uh, Malik Jefferson is basically the nickel back. He's the he's the F backer, mm-hmm. the field side linebacker, uh, which yeah. gets replaced by that position gets replaced by the nickel in their base nickel package. Uh, guys, we've got about uh, what fifteen minutes or so, mm-hmm. ten to fifteen minutes. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to TCU. <clears throat> and this is the game that going in. By the way, before we move on, you guys had any final thoughts about Baylor? We're ready to just put that one. In um, yeah, I mean, I I don't have any uh, thoughts. I mean, Texas special teams, other than Michael Dixon, is pretty much. Um, I don't know if that's a lost cause, but it, it is what it is, I guess the coach yeah. would say. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see any drastic improvement in the return game. Chris Boyd just, had a nice kickoff return. Chris Boyd did have a nice kickoff return. You're right. Uh, but Michael Dixon's pretty much the story on special teams, which he should be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really nothing out of the punt return game. Reggie Hemphill was a good punt catcher. Hey, hey I'll Saturday. take that. Yeah, road, exactly. Turn it over. I'll take exactly. it. Exactly. So going to uh, and by the way, I mean Baylor was a team that I'll I had a kick Texas, block too. I forgot about the block kick. Oh gosh, yeah. I'll give Texas Haunts credit again. Yeah, they got to be more efficient in the red zone, Rod. You, you agree? You know, Tom Herman didn't even, don't even want to kick those field goals. And, and, and well, we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm glad you brought that up. I did want to bring that up before we got out of here. But Baylor was a team that was actually playing really well despite their record. Um, yep. Man, I don't think any of us realized how rotten that thing was, but Matt Rule's done a really good job of peeling back all the layers of that onion, and they are they are really starting over. They're getting to the bare uh, bones of that thing, man. Yeah. He's getting down to the – he's willing to take the – it's going to be ugly. He has stripped it down to the studs, and mm-hmm. they are uh, – Yeah. They're rebuilding that thing. <laughs> it, it, it's pretty damn obvious. But, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a while before Baylor is what we've seen them the last few years be. Well, especially because other people – other teams are coming up in the conference. Now you got, you know – Iowa State, which, you know, we'll talk a ton about, but, yeah. And that was unprecedented at the perfect time. I think we may never see that again at Baylor. TCU's not going anywhere. Oklahoma State's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, Texas Tech's kind of decent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Texas is going to get better at some point. Texas Tech's defense is better this year. I've noticed that. It's, yeah. Well, I mean, I know it's By by tech standards. By tech standards. Okay, there you go. Yeah, Yeah, I'll I'll make sure I paraphrase. Preface. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, so moving on to TCU, this was the game rod going into the year that scared the hell out of me. Uh, I'll pull a Mac Brown. Scares you to death. Why? But because it's close to well, Halloween. Well, because this, this, this Texas just has not played well against TCU. Period. This is um, true. That that should be the purple kryptonite now. Right. Really. I mean, you look at the only game Texas won. They they won since TCU's been in the conference was 2013. That was a weird game where TCU had some momentum early, then the lightning, lightning delay. delay. I remember that one. Texas ends yeah. up taking over after that. And, I remember that game. Uh, that wasn't a good TCU team anyway. They were 4-8 and eight that year and had all kinds of injuries and the Casey Paha rehab thing, and that was all. Casey yes, Paha rehab thing. That was all. Tyrone Swoops redshirt got burned at like 2 in the morning whenever that game was wrapping <laughs> up or whatever it was. But this has been a series that's been really weird for Texas, and it's been very lopsided towards TCU. Mm-hmm. It's that purple kryptonite, right? You can talk about the purple kryptonite again, again this week. So, looking at TCU, though, I think Texas, their defense is going to keep them in this game because against Iowa State, really for the first time this year, we saw the return of Kenny Trill. He had just been Kenny Hill, steady as she goes, but but in Ames, to Dames, (laughs) Iowa of all places, for Kenny Trill to reemerge, and he was not very good. Took some unnecessary sacks through an interception in the red zone. 
really, Rod, when it boils down to it, that's what Texas has to count on to get a win. You've got to count on Kenny Hill being not very good, your defense putting you in favorable field position. and But even then, I can't take Texas to win this game because I don't have faith in this offense against a decent defense. You couldn't do it against Baylor. You couldn't take advantage of short fields against yeah. Baylor. I have no faith in you being able to do that against TCU. TCU, there. I mean, I know Texas will try to have the appearance of balance, but TCU's rush defense is like a top five rush defense in the country. Yeah. It will shut Texas' run down. Yes. I mean, it will slow down to a a drip. All right, and that is my concern. That no matter who you have in there, a quarterback, when you are truly one dimensional, which I think they will be. Um, then you got to rely on kind of broken plays, which Sam Ellinger is really good at to get, to get you yards in the running game. And I, I'm also with you on it, this. <laughs> you know, one thing I, I know the Texas defense will keep them in the game. TCU wants to be, you know, kind of a power run, kind of a, a power spread team. And the, the reason that they they kind of got off their game against our states because they couldn't run the ball effectively. And that's been the key with TCU is when TCU can't run the ball effectively, they get out of rhythm, and that's how you turn Kenny Hill into Kenny Trill because then he put, he's put in those situations where you know he's going to throw the football you can get after him. So we got to turn Kenny Hill into Kenny Trill, and the good news is Todd Orlando is really good at that, at stopping the run, making them one-dimensional, and that's when you'll get the worst of Kenny Hill. If they're balanced, if they're, allowed, if they're able to run the football – you get Kenny Hill because then they don't put too much on his shoulders. He can relax, and then he can kind of carve you up with, you know, uh, kind of I would say an intermediate passing game and then take their shots downfield. So you just got to make sure they're not balanced. If they're balanced, then it's going to be a long day for Texas. But I don't think they'll do that against Tyler Lendl's defense. So it's Kenny Trill. That means that's the bad Aggie version. Despite Kenny Trill the is the bad I, version. Even I though was, Trill I was means. I confused for a second. But yeah. then I was like, okay, that's the Kenny Trill we were remembered right. that had to transfer out. Trill means I, true I and real. You, Right yeah, together, I think so. Is that it true and real? That's it, it. Yeah, that's. I right. should know this. I'm black, but yes. I don't know. I think it's true and real. <laughs> yes, I it is. So. That's Kenny, what it Kenny was. Hill against Iowa State, twelve of twenty five, one hundred thirty five yards and two picks. Yeah, that, that's you know because they don't ask a lot from him. I don't even know how many three hundred yard games like he's had this year passing. Yeah, I mean it's not right. Their, they don't, their offense hasn't been clicking because it's Kenny Hill just playing out of his mind. It's he's efficient when they ask him to be. There you go. Everything they do. Rod revolves around running the football. They want to run the football. And they ran for 172 yards against Iowa State. The thing that killed TCU was penalties. Oh, penalties. Penalties and turnovers. Penalties I mean, turnovers. they had some long runs where they shot themselves in the foot, and then it's instead of being first and goal at the eight, it's first, first and 20. And, yeah, I was like 15 and 20. You know, yeah, you're right. It, yeah, just, they just shot themselves in the foot. And that's and exactly long. that's when they become one-dimensional, when they end up behind the chains. Uh, or off schedule as Matt 11, 11 penalties against Iowa State. Yeah. And that's – if you can keep them off schedules, the big part this week, because if you look at their team, the really only deficiencies on both sides of the ball, there's one or the other. One is going to be if you can do anything against them, it, it, it would be explosive plays because your offense is not going to be able to do much against that defense, that run game. But they've given up big pass plays in their ISO PPP, which is just straight up explosivity. They rank 119th in the nation wow. defensively. 
defensively against the pass and in pass explosive. So whenever they've been exploited, it's been really big. But across the board, they're just great. I mean, you're talking the number one rushing success rate, number two overall rush defense, still top 30 in rushing explosivity prevented. But then when you look at their offensive side, the only place that they are deficient would be success rate and stuff rate. So that means that their run game getting beat up at the line of scrimmage, which bodes well for Texas. Texas run defenses look very good, so Texas's strength will be going up against their deficiency, which hmm. is the power run game. And then, at least if you're playing from behind, the one spot that you would like the team to be deficient defensively is in passing explosivity. So if Texas is playing from behind, you have hope that since they're 119th in passing ISO PPP versus defense, that's a pretty good sign that you can have a chance still if you're down by 14 late in the game. That's awesome. That was legit. I just wanted to look at Iowa State's drives against TCU. Their two scoring drives, it was a nine-play, 85-yard drive and an 11-play, 82-yard drive. I mean, other than those two drives, they didn't do anything offensively against yeah. TCU. I mean, Iowa State, yeah. I mean, that team's just been so impressive, though, to see that they could somehow execute. I mean, you look at the margin of them beating Oklahoma. It's on two screens being blocked on the outside, identifying it in, like, two plays can win them a game. And I watched a lot of that TCU game, and like you were saying, it was a lot of ugly defense against each other on both sides, but it just comes down to one or two non-screw-ups, and that's the one thing that they've done. It's a thing that Texas actually did against them to be able to win that game because that was it's an true. ugly game there, and it's sort of a good primer if you think about Texas's matchup at Iowa State, similar to this matchup at TCU. Probably going to be a low-scoring, nasty game that you hope that you can just sneak by with. Matt, to your point about needing to get explosive passing plays, Look at the T, look at the Iowa State scoring drive, the first scoring drive they had against TCU. The Shot highlight the plays on that drive, 15-yard pass, Kemp to Deshante Jones. Uh, let's see, David Montgomery had a 10-yard run, which I don't not count on Texas to do that on Saturday. 12-yard um, pass to Allen Lazard, 22-yard pass to Allen Lazard, 17-yard pass to Matthew Eaton for the touchdown. And then on the second yep. touchdown drive... Let me find it. And I'd be interested to see if those were even downfield because they beat OU on 60-yard pass plays that were the screens. screens yeah, the but screen they game. go down as 60-yard pass You're right. plays. Here, so that's here's, where, here's where TCU shot themselves in the foot. That second scoring drive, the 11-play 82-yard drive, third and eight from the Iowa State 20, incomplete pass for Anthony Tejada gets flagged for P.I. Drive continues. And then you've got 13-yard pass to Marchie Murdoch, David Montgomery with a 15-yard run, 30-yard pass to Alan Lazard gets you down mm-hmm. in the ditch down inside the 5-yard line. It's the only way to beat so, them. Yeah, it's yep. going to have to be explosive. So, like that. Rod, before we close out Shunk here in a couple yard. minutes, play. does that does that now make that to me that makes me feel like okay, maybe Shane Bouchelle does need to start this game. That's a great point. Um, yeah, you're talking about the high percentage pass game. We talked about the yak yards earlier in the show. Yeah. That's what these wide receivers are really good at. All you need is to make sure there's really good ball placement. The ball is put in the right, just, you know, right place so that they can run after the catch. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that, that's a really valid argument if you're looking deep into the stats mm-hmm. about why Shane Bouchelle may be a good matchup for this TCU defense. And in theory, he's also a great guy to have if you, just exactly how Jeff sort of brought it up at the beginning with Ellinger off the bench, or if, say, you do have a healthy Ellinger, you start him, it's not effective, or he gets hurt, at least you have a guy like Bouchelle to come in and maybe throw you back into the game. Well, now I, I, I do feel better about if either one's in there because now we figured out, okay, there is something Shane Bouchelle does well where you can take advantage oh, yeah. against TCU. It, yeah, 
you got to be, I mean, just a little bit more patient with him with the past game. And he, but you understand that he understands the confines that he needs to play within to be effective on the field. It's not like he's going to be forcing the ball into coverages. He's no, going to be taking what the defense gives him, and that might be the best thing you need against TC. Especially Rod, with their defense. Yeah. Rod, if I'm Texas, if I'm Tom Herman and I'm Tim Beck, I go with your theory to start this game. On the first drive, take a shot down the field. Take a right shot. Right at the bat because – Chances are two or three things can happen, and probably two of them are really good for you. You can draw a P.I., or, or one of your big receivers can go up and make a play down the field. Yeah, and then, honestly, considering how good TCU is against a run, it almost favors you to take a couple of shots early on mm-hmm. on, on early downs because probably, it's probably going to be a wasted down a lot of the times against that top five rush defense of TCU's. Right. You know what I mean? You may end up getting more return on that investment in that down by taking a shot. Right. Yeah. All right, it's that time of the show where we do some picks. Matt, how did we do last week? I uh, did pretty well, actually. Uh, Rod did not, though. He oh! was one and four. Yes. Damn it. Rod did was it. one and four, and then I ended up being three and two. Jeff was three and two. So now I got a four-game lead on Rod, five-game lead on Jeff. Song. Starting with the first Ar- game. Arizona saved my bacon last week, by the way. I took Arizona over I Washington he, State. I think the Aggies might have screwed me. Did we pick the Aggies or Yes, something? at least uh, you I did pick we, the Aggies. Picked you and Jeff did. No, I picked Mississippi State. Yeah. I went with the favorite. Aggies screwed me. Well, first game going to be Clemson versus NC State at NC State. Who you got? Uh, give oh. me Clemson. Yeah, I'll take Clemson, man. Clemson, even that, that their only bad loss was that loss to Syracuse. That's where their starting quarterback went down. Other than that, did Clemson may end up being in the top four when the college football playoff rankings come out? Because mm-hmm. the way the way Notre Dame pushed NC State around, I think Clemson can do the same. All right, then I am gonna go with Clemson as well. Now, next game gonna be Virginia Tech Miami. Who you got? Mm, going Miami. Nah, give me Is it at Miami. Yes. Yeah, I'm going. Miami. Give me Virginia Tech, man. Miami's been playing with fire all year, and I think Virginia Tech is damn good. I think I think Virginia Tech wins this game. Oh, Manny Diaz defense, baby. Up, I'm gonna go with Virginia Tech as well. Barely went against that one. Next one gonna be Bedlam. Who you got? Hmm. Bedlam. Oh man. Oh, this is so. Where is it? It's in Okie State. Still man, Mason Rudolph, I think, has an injury or something. He's been dealing with something, man. But this rivalry game can shake out any type of way. Mm-hmm. I want to pick Oak State, but. Give me Oklahoma. I was going to take taking up. So I'm just wrong with Mason Rudolph. Something's up with him. Yep, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I'm I will going go Oklahoma. against y'all. And then going to go Arizona USC. Who you got? Oh, man. Arizona USC. Oh, is it at Arizona? USC. I'll go USC. Yeah, I you know, I don't want to gamble with a Rich Rod team two weeks in a row, so I'll take USC. Yep, I will take USC as well. Lastly, I'll take us to Texas. You know, I, I do think Texas keeps us close, Matt. What are we, six and a half yep, on the line? Yep, six and a half right now. Um, I just don't have faith in this offense to do enough when needed. Um, I'll take Texas to cover, and I think it's going to be a sloppy game, low scoring. I'll take Texas to get the cover 16-10 to 10 loss. I'll take TCU. 16 to 10. Mm, I'll take uh, TCU 20, 23 to 17. Yep, I'll take TCU 26 17. Yeah. That sounds about right. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I got that. I don't know about Texas scoring 17 points, guys. <laughs> really? And defense might still one up your Kenny Trill. If Sam Ellinger. The point if they score more than about 14 points, it'll be because they got a non offensive touchdown. 
Oh, I, I can agree with that, too. Vegas' predicted score right now is 27-20 for context. Okay. Oh, there you go. That's the implied live when you minus the over-unders. So I'll take like 13-17. I'll take Texas to get the cover in a low score Hey, game. I think they're 6-1 and one against the spread this year. First, first to 20 wins. They cover a lot. Tom Herman's teams like to cover. Hell, it might be first to 14 wins. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm predicting a sloppy game on Saturday. Uh, but th- this is Texas' last chance to get a signature win. This is kind of my theme of the week. This is, you know, we can look back and say the Iowa State win was their best win because Iowa State's ranked now. But for this fan base for recruiting, you go on the road, be the top 10 TCU team. That's something you could sell. That's something you could build on. And at that point, guys, you're, you're looking at 7 to 5, 8 and 4 could be a real possibility for this team. You lose on Saturday, then you're definitely in the boat of probably 6 and 6, went out to be 7 and 5. It's two different worlds, depending on if you won on Saturday or not. Just try to get to a bowl game at this point. That's the goal. (laughs) Matt, thanks for everything, man. Appreciate it. Oh, you are more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at 104.9 The Horn, hornfm.com, AM 1260, The Horn app. Our new radio family happen to be a part of the family. You can get this podcast each and every week on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. And thanks to Matt, you get us on iTunes, tune in, and any podcast app. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.